0: Welcome to Catholic Town, sponsored by the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lourdes and Mount St. Mary's University. Catholic Town aims to highlight people, places, and movements that are spreading the kingdom of God in the historic town of Emmitsburg, Maryland, and beyond. Join us as we sit down with Catholic figures of all types, hear their stories, and get to the heart of what drives them. This is David McCarthy. Uh, I've taught theology at Mount St. Mary's for a long time, now I'm the associate provost, but always trying to keep theology in my life and will return to it full-time at one point. Uh, Talking today in celebration of the canonization of John Henry Newman or um, Cardinal Newman, Carl Carl Newman, right? A man with many names. Uh, He was born in 1801 and pretty much lived through the 19th century, started out as an Anglican. Um, now, I, this, this if some historian hears this, I'm going to probably get criticized, but the way I think of it, he, gets start, he starts out more like as an evangelical type uh, with less connection to the historical church. Maybe you call it more free church style of Anglicanism, but then he gets drawn more deeply into Anglican history. Right. And 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 actually is one of the starters of an Oxford movement was sort of a go back to the roots movement. And that eventually leads him to Catholicism. Really, he breaks off from that. So he's a convert as a as an adult, as an academic, real smart guy. Uh, When I was in graduate school, everybody read his development of doctrine, where actually after writing that book, he becomes he becomes Catholic. Yeah. Do you have any Contact or familiarity with John Henry Newman? That's a
1: real cursory.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I listen to a podcast on history and they always have somebody, they always like to start it off on what do people know about this figure? What do
1: people know about him? Well, what I know is that he converted to Catholicism. Right. Cause he right. was intrigued by the foundations, the underpinnings of the church. Right. He, he
0: realized lots of things that the Catholic church did um, went
1: back to the beginning yeah. And right. Yeah. And I connect with him because of that because when I entered the Didiac into the diaconate, I really had no understanding of what the catechism was. Ah, uh, uh. And once I've discovered what the catechism I I love reading the catechism. And I hate to say this out loud, but I like reading it more than I like reading the Bible sometimes because it answers so many questions. It gets to had. the point. Yeah. So <laughs> right. I, I relate to yeah. him on that level.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Nice yeah he's one of those figures i put in my head i put like uh g. k. Chesterton as one of those who's able to say things like just all kinds of stuff in one sentence the two the the the, the tough part about newman as a, as a victorian writer that one sentence lasts a paragraph
1: hmm.
0: uh so it does get hard sometimes no yeah you know, but uh he is sometimes hard to read uh one thing about the mount with him is uh when I got here ninety eight uh, we were having, how freshmen were reading uh, essays from John Henry Newman's What is a University? And I would say central, yeah, and I, I can't tell you how long that was. It was long before I got there, and then it lasted some time into the mid 2000s, right? Um, I can't remember. It might have been 2008, might have been all the way 2012. I can't, I'm an old guy. I can't remember those things. <laughs> things happened in the past. Uh, anyway, he's uh, many, many faculty still at the Mount. Um, kind of think about what they do in terms of his what is a university. Uh, one thing I want to do is just talk about our mission and being a liberal arts university. Fair enough. Fair and enough. I'll ask you that one. So, what does the person
1: on the street think of a, uh, what, what a liberal arts university is? Oh, now that's a loaded question.
0: Yeah, I know it is. That's why I'm raising that up so, there.
1: So I come yep. from from Detroit, so yep. automotive manufacturing and. Yep. My- most people there would tell you there's no value in a liberal arts education. Yeah, because yeah. Because it doesn't get to the point. Exactly, it's yeah. It's too flowery, too too, too romantic, too right. too unnecessary. Mm-hmm. But I disagree because I'm a philosophy lover, and I think that adds a certain character to people that goes beyond, yeah. you know, just the numbers, just the figures. You know, in, in Michigan, engineering programs are huge. I don't think there's a school up there that isn't having a waiting list for engineering. We have schools that just apply science even. But, you know, they kind of laugh at the liberal arts people, but I, yep. I, I know the value of it.
0: Yeah. Um, so, wow, I lost my train of thought there. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I was going to. I, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Because when you hear liberal arts, you think, what's the liberal, right? Why not the conservative arts? Right. Yeah, I was, I, was I, I, I caught that train when you were, that thing came to me when we were talking about the people of Detroit, right? Because oh, yeah. people have said that to me before. Why the liberal arts? Yeah. Uh, but the liberal arts are supposed to be liberating. And, um, but not liberating in, say, the modern contemporary senses that you get to do whatever you want to do. Uh, I'm not a golfer. Are you a golfer? No. Okay. So I'm not a golfer. I've been on a golf course a few times. Uh, one of the things I thought interesting about golf is, because I've golfed just a few times, but with some people that really golfed a lot. And what I thought was interesting about golf is, I can, sh- I can hit a decent shot every once in a while, right? Most of the time not. And for people that golf a lot, it's flipped, right? They're going to hit mostly good shots, but they're also going to hit bad shots, right? So I kind of think about freedom in the liberal arts, right? The arts of being free as what you need to actually get down a golf course, right? So if you want to, want to be free, like when I get on a golf course, it's like being, I don't want to say it's being in prison, but it's actually being put through some kind of mill, right? Like basic training or something like that. It's a miserable experience. (laughs) I give up because I remember I was on one hole and I just gave up and I just thought, I'm just going to hit this thing as much as I want. Right. So it took me like 15 times. Right, But this was a trail through the trees. I'm not, I'm not lying. I went through the trees. I went through, you know, I hit every hazard possible, right? I was not free to golf, right? I was free to hack it up. So to be free on the golf course, you really got to play a lot and you got to focus on what you're doing and you got to gain the skills to do it so that when you think through how this should be done, you actually can do it, Right you're in on and so on. So I think that's the the freedom
1: of liberal arts. I think sometimes people just are in such a rush. And I'm, again, I'm speaking from where I'm from. They're in a rush to, to go make money. Yeah. Did they see all of that as something that's frivolous? Okay.
0: And- yeah. Good, good. We'll keep that. I think frivolous is good. I'm going to press it further though, with the freedom thing and just do a piano analogy. Cause I, I used to use this one on students cause there used to be at least one person in the room that could play piano. And I would say, do you feel free at the piano? And they would always say yes. And I would say the rest of us do not, right? Because I took piano lessons for about seven years and it just never took. And still now I get on the piano and I only know what I cannot do. So, you know, you you dedicate yourself to the piano and you can feel free doing it. But again, yes, frivolous, right? Right. And that's exactly where Newman comes in. Because yep. the interesting thing about Newman is he was getting the same criticisms. Uh, the speeches and lectures and a few essays that he does on, that get collected under what is uh, the idea of a university is he's, he does, I'm um, going to guess on this, somewhere around the 1880s, 1870s, end of the 19th century, he was asked to found a uh, Catholic university in Dublin, Right. And that's actually one of the main criticisms. When you read these and he's uh, saying the kind of criticisms we're going to get, it's exactly what you just said. And it sort of strikes me that they're saying this at the end of the 19th century. Uh, there's one, he says, uh, you know, people have written what a waste it is to spend all this money and you can't like hammer a nail, right? So there, it's interesting that you have that same same criticism.
1: Yeah. Yep. As an archbishop, um, Alan Veneron, he writes, he talks about that all the time, how things are just spiraling back around in a circle even faster than normal cycles have it. Yeah. And he talks specifically about those criticisms of even religion in itself and seminary life. Because yes. Yeah. Seminary hard life is at the heart of liberal education. Right. And right. He, and he was saying, he says often, you know, You're throwing out the whole baby bath water, the whole contraption when you throw away the liberal arts and you throw away that getting back to to knowing Mm -hmm. because he relates it to knowing who you are. You can't be good as an engineer, good as a doctor, good as anything if you don't know who you are. So the
0: reason, one reason that the golf analogy or the piano analogy are useful because Newman's key word or I should say one of the key words that he uses in that essay is cultivation. So he thinks about a university education as the cultivation of the intellect. So he's not thinking, he's thinking of it as formation, not information. Because right. when a lot of us think about education, we just think about information that you're just getting, you know, stuff downloaded into your head. Right. So he's thinking about it as formation, which right. I think is interesting. And I actually have the book here, but I'm not going to quote it because <laughs> I can paraphrase it in my head. He says, um, "Lots of things are useful, but not always useful for something that's good. But the good is always useful." Yeah, and you got it. Can you expound on that at all? Well, no, but I, I've,
1: I've heard that a lot because oh, okay. One of one of my teachers in seminary that was his golden rule. And he would go further just because, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to be any good. If it's not good for everybody, it's no good at all. And it comes down partly to that word
0: cultivation, because anything that you do is going to be cultivated by what is good or the good. So um, with piano or with uh, playing golf um, or you'll see somebody in a contest to get in or get the get the thousand dollars to get in the half court shot at a basketball game right? Anybody can do that. I mean, that's why they have people that don't play basketball, right? Cause it's <laughs> like, well, can they do this? But you wouldn't call them a basketball player, right? Because you can get hit a great shot, but not be a basketball player. Same way you can, you can learn whatever song on the piano, but you're not necessarily a pianist, right? You can hit a good golf shot. You're not necessarily a golfer. So uh, what Newman and the idea of cultivation is thinking, we need to be a good person. Certainly, but that actually corresponds to being a good whatever blank, good accountant or right. good, um,
1: yeah, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, you know, I'm thinking this would be a great conversation to have doing orientation. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. What, what, what you just talked about for the good, you know, that's how we make a life of significance. Right. You have to be able to discern the, the good from the not so good. Right. And and you that just put a lot of things in perspective for me. I know I'm a lot older than our students, but... Just thinking about it, it puts a lot into perspective because now I understand why I'm trying to live this life of significance when I leave here. I want to leave the world better off. Right, right.
0: Yeah, and so, like I say, back to the word cultivation and the good, that there's this, I don't know what a word, another word, I used formation, flourishing. I mean, that would be a good word too, right? We want people to flourish. We want our students to flourish. And uh, goodness is... It is the flourishing, right, right, yeah. So um, I think we're making that point. I will say a few things about a liberal arts education. I actually think of them as a kind of internship or practice, Mm -hmm. because what you do in a liberal arts education is you read uh, thinkers, uh, actually a wide variety, different cultures. Mm -hmm. Um, You lead different time periods. You learn about people, of everybody, if we're with golf, we're, we're learning about everybody that's taken a shot and taken a swing at it, right? And, and what they've experienced, what they've said about it, how they think about it. So it's a way to think through all those matters about living well in a whole bunch of parts of life because you study people that have thought hard about it or worked hard at it or even, even in fiction, right? You, that you've, you've tried to develop it. So- You read everything from the Greeks to uh, Dante to John Henry Newman. (laughs) Right, yeah. So, was your education like this at all? You said you had Jesuitage.
1: Oh, yeah. Come on now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If there's nothing else, the Jesuits are good about making sure you have a a breadth of. Knowledge and resources to learn from. <laughs> and before you went
0: to Detroit or worked in Detroit, no, I'm sorry, you were, before you started your ministry job in Detroit, you said you were working in the business world.
1: Correct. I was yeah. a trade lane manager. I'm a licensed customs broker. So I was a trade lane manager. I've also been a plant manager. And then before that, I was a superintendent of a school system. And before that, I was a principal of a high school. And before that, I was in the army. So did your liberal arts education play a role in any of this? Oh, yeah. That's the best thing ever happened to me because it gave me, I've always learnt, loved to read and learn, but it kind of validated the fact that I wasn't a weirdo. first of all, because of the stuff I used to like to read, because I was always the kid who was reading something like Voltaire. Oh, and, right. You yeah. know, and people were like, what are you reading that for? Yeah. You know, yeah. And I can't get a job with that. I'm like, just wait and see. Yeah. So nice. Yeah, I, nice. I'm, I'm, well, that's a good
0: thing to say. You've done a lot of things in your life. Yeah. And you've, you've, uh, I always think liberal education is going to help you learn to learn Yep, is what you did and, and to adapt and to adapt. Right. So you got thrown into things you didn't do any before, but you had the skills
1: to, um, to do it. So, so I like to say I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed expert at change management, right? Because everywhere I've been since I got out the military was in a change. I was at Delphi when they had their ethics problems. Uh. I was at Kmart when they had their ethics problems. I went to Ford when they were having theirs. <laughs> so they always were trying to reinvent the culture, and I was always the guy who comes in when oh, they reinvent culture. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh. All right. So um,
0: the other thing then, what you made me think of is with the liberal arts education, it being sort of a uh, like I say, I like to think about it as an internship, right? Because when you do internship, you sort of do things that help you, uh, uh, Mister Mr. Miyagi. Reference works here for me, right? Danielson is that his name? Yeah, the karate kid, right? (laughs) The wax on, wax off. You're doing a lot of wax on, wax off. Students don't notice, students don't realize it, that they're doing that. But a lot of it has to do with being part of a community uh, and teamwork. And my hope always, and we seem to be departing from Newman, but we're not at all, I hope, because we haven't mentioned him. But he, what he wanted was that cultivation of the intellect or academic life created or was the bond of a community, right? So to come to a school and be bound, not by some misbehavior or even good behavior, right? Playing wiffle ball or whatever, which is a great thing to be bound on, right? But you get bound by thinking about great thinkers and things and, and serving the world and those sorts of things, right? That I, that I, binds you together.
1: And I think the model does a great job. And I'm, Speaking from the administrative level, but since I've been here, the two and a half, three months almost I've been here, people have reached out and we've, we've bonded, not just on the job itself, but about fam. People actually have a concern and care, but we also talk about how we can make things better, not just the Mount, but Emmitsburg itself. So, right. again, the greater good is being served just through us sitting at Ots and having, having a burger. Right, so I think te- uh, being a good citizen,
0: teamwork, Public speaking or speaking, being able to articulate things, and, and learning to write. Writing. That those are like, if you want to talk about skill level, you're going through great thinkers, you're talking about historical events, you're talking about social problems. And on all of those, you're working with others, you're uh, speaking, you're writing. So all of those are liberating or adaptive, as you've said, right? And all those kind of things. I think we can take a break now. We've been going on a long time you know that you have many options when it comes to giving so why not choose your mountain home from enhancing academic offerings to athletic programming your support ensures that our students continue to lead lives of significance to make your gift visit msmary.edu today all right we're back and i want to read mount st mary's mission i think that's a good spot for it right uh, as a Catholic university, Mount St. Mary's graduates ethical leaders who are inspired by a passion for learning and lead lives of significance and service to God and others. Right. So you've talked about significance already. Right. Uh, we, I, I think we'll in a minute we'll get to um, Catholic university. I think we've kind of hit on passion for learning in that sense. Are yeah. you still a book reader? Oh, yes. Okay. All right. There you go. Wow. said that quick. There was no hesitation there. You were there, yeah. All right. So, a passion for learning, uh, living the lives of of significance, service of God and others, and uh, ethical leaders. You got anything to say about ethical leaders in liberal arts education? Or
1: so that's a really sensitive place for me because, like I said just a moment ago, a lot of the industries I worked in, I came in after they had some unethical actions, and you know, in the quest for money in our culture. You know, we watch TV and, and young people are learning, you know, not just in the classroom, but from social media and TV. A lot of times people are willing to sacrifice what they know is right just to have that that big win, whether it's a windfall of or cash or popularity or the, or the right job title. So ethics is at the root of everything because, you know, what, what we taught in Scripture, if I can't trust you with the little things, I'll never trust you with the big things in so many words. That's important, you know, and then the other thing is I need to be able to trust you when I'm not around. So having young people learn the value of ethical leadership, being ethical, just doing what's right, even when nobody's watching is is very important. So I I think that's one of the, the best things we offer out of this experience, because. It's not just in the job place that I want, in the workplace, I need you to be ethical. I need you to be ethical when you're dealing with people in the community, when you're dealing with your kids, when you're at the school, when you're at your grocery store. You know, I always use this with my daughters. If if you pay for something that's $12 and you give them a 20 and they give you a 20 back, what do you do? Do you keep it and say, hey, I hit the lottery today, or do you give it back? And they kind of laugh and say, well... I know what you want me to say. I said, No, but what would you do? And they always say, Well, give it back because and I say, Why? And they said, Because God's watching. And I, I think that's an important thing that we can leave with our kids because just because you can do something and get a, a momentary rush, that's not gonna value increase your value later in life or when you get to heaven, you know. I don't, yeah. I don't want to be waited at the gate like, hey, you go stand over there and I have to watch everybody else parade in for all of eternity because I kept the extra eight dollars.
0: Yeah. Now, Newman in the 1840s, he became a tutor at Oxford. And I am have to admit, I'm kind of vague on what a tutor in Oxford is in the 19th <laughs> century. But it's more than just like helping somebody with their math, right? They're Uh, And and he ended up actually resigning after some years because he had a disagreement with the person that was sort of in charge of the tutors because he thought that it had to do with what we would now call the whole person, not simply academic, that he thought this was a mentoring uh, relationship that ought to actually help people become better people and and actually ended up leaving. That was right before he entered into this or started the Oxford movement that I said that kind of brought them, uh, was thinking about anglicism, Anglicanism, going back to its roots, right? Right. So, um, so we did a lot of the mission and I saved the first phrase, which was as a Catholic university, because I wanted to read a quotation from Newman. and I hope I read it well. And this is, is this is actually from an essay that was written in a newspaper, but it gets folded into that set of lectures on what is a university. Okay. So you ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll do my best. Uh, he kind of does a play on words with like a university and then he calls it a school of universal learning. Right. And he says, this description implies the assemblage of strangers from all parts in one spot, all parts else. How could you find professors and students for every department of knowledge and in one spot else? How can there be any school at all? According to its simple and rudimentary form, it is a school of knowledge of every kind, consisting of teacher and learners from every quarter. So there's this thing about all, uh, I think the, the all parts or strangers from all parts has a double meaning, right? You have all kinds of disciplines in one place, mm-hmm. like it's not a technical school. But you also have people from gathering from in one spot, from all place. Many things are required to complete and satisfy the idea embodied in this description, but such as this, a university seems to be, in essence, a place for the communication and circulation of thought by means of personal intercourse through a wide extent of country. Isn't that great? Yeah. Isn't that great? Now, later in this, not too much later, actually, it's like a couple of paragraphs. He compares learning through books to learning at a university. And for us, the comparison would be learning by going to websites, Right. And he says, like, in one, you just kind of get the results of learning, you know? And I use, you know, the phrase, like, download into your head, right? So it's like information giving. But he says, at this place where it's personal, you actually... he, He does this big, long sentence about you get the tone and the smell. You know, you actually live it with people who spend their lives living it, Right. And I always, as a teacher of theology, or a teacher in general, I always thought that that was my mission, right? I had to kind of make this so evidently something that was central of my life. People could not resist it, right? Otherwise, they'd have to resist me, and they couldn't get out of the room, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, anyway, uh, the idea here of a liberal arts university is a place, a gathering of people from all parts, and all disciplines
1: in one spot, kind of working together. You got any comments on that? It made me think of, I forget what book of the Bible is when they're talking about all parts. Ah, yeah, uh, Romans,
0: Romans 12. 12. Yeah, it yeah, made, parts of the body, it, excellent, yes. It, it, it just brought that 1 to 1 Corinthians mind. 12 as well, actually. I think it's uh, right before the love of 1 Corinthians 13.
1: I think you go through the body metaphors. But yeah, go ahead. It, it just made me think about that because, you know, similarly, you need each part each part is important. Right. But it contributes to a greater good to a whole. Right, exactly. But it made me think of that, you know, because it's important. And I also think about, you know, my daughter's a student here and we live like two minutes away. So even though she's not in the dorm, she's thoroughly in, in intertwined with the campus. Oh, great. And it's Helping her adjust a lot better because moving from a city that's close to me into a city that's maybe 10, no. <laughs> right. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a huge social yeah. adjustment and a yeah. whole cultural yeah. adjustment. Yeah. But she, f- she said it to me the other day. I feel like it's home. Nice. You know, nice. Said, I'm glad we're here. And well, I think that's part of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think I think Mount alums will say that too. Uh, the old phrase is there's something about the Mount. Is that still going around as an old phrase? yeah I think it is that that um we're 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 i think you invite somebody into a home. I always say you know you know when when you're allowed to do dishes, you're in right you don't you don't <laughs> let guests do dishes right so that when and i think i hopefully that's what we ask of our students and 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 people that coming in like you yeah. positions that we actually make a claim on you pretty quickly yeah right so uh, i I want to add to that though with the liberal arts education as well that it also means your your body your your analogy of the body is like sociology doesn't have to be theology and theology doesn't have to be science and history doesn't have to be That's economics, right. right? That um not everyone has to talk about God or or and things like that, or nobody has like say nobody not everybody has to talk about the economy or or great books. But they're still important. Right. That that the point is how we understand our fit and in terms of the mission. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh we didn't in this talk, uh, quote, a lot of Newman. I think we've been pretty faithful to his idea of a university in the sense of, one, we did the liberal arts, right? And I All think right. central to that is the cultivation. I said the cultivation of the intellect yep. and the idea that we're cultivated insofar as we become good, right? And this goodness spreads over everything we do.
1: Yes. Yeah. And you use the word formation. Yeah. And nowadays, that's such a strong word. It is. It is, is such a strong word, yeah. but I think it's important that sometimes we have to have those strong words because with everything else being so, eh. yeah. Well, when you
0: read this with students, the word they'll
1: react to too is training.
0: Yeah, that's not a good word either. No. People do not want to be go to yeah. school to be trained.
1: No, no. But formation is important yeah. though because, you know, you've used a military analogy too, and since I'm a veteran, I like to go there anyway. But formation, so we talk about that in terms of marching, but also in terms of Civilians call our brainwashing process, but that's how you get to, to know the norms and get to know what mm-hmm. the expectations are through the, the formative process. So I think this is a really important word, and I wish we would use it more because it's truly a formation. In seminary, we use it all the time, but I, I think it, it's overlooked. The, there's power in that word, formation. I'm, I'm actually being formed to be a better person, right. not just being instructed. And then
0: the other part, after that liberal arts part, was the idea that this is a community—a community of learning, a community of cultivation, of formation, where students and faculty, but here specifically students for Newman, are invited into a life of pursuing and discovering and studying. I think with the liberal arts, those matters what we talked about: being a citizen, teamwork, uh, being articulate, and uh, and writing. But in terms of specific subjects, uh, research methods, all those sorts of things, that it's a place where people are invited in a
1: personal way and through personal student-teacher relationships, student-student relationships, right? Yeah. I, and I think, it, uh, to me, at the heart of what he's talking about is also opening up yourself for lifelong learning as right. well. It, yes. it doesn't shut you down after a certain, okay, I've had this terminal knowledge now, so you can't right. tell me anything.
0: Right, Yeah, and, uh, and I, I think I, I mentioned that before, that I think the, the you know you're there when you are able to, you learn to be able to learn, right, and take control of that on your own. So, on the on, on the celebration of the canonization of Newman and a Catholic university ourselves, uh, I think we did a pretty good job. And tune in next time for
1: more about the Catholic Church.